welcome to Arbitral Insights, a podcast series brought to you by our international arbitration practice lawyers here at Reed Smith. I'm Jose Estigarraga, Global Head of Reed Smith's International Arbitration Practice. I hope you enjoy the industry commentary, insights, and anecdotes we share with you in the course of this series, wherever in the world you are. If you have any questions about any of the topics discussed, please do contact our speakers. And with that, let's get started. Hello, and welcome to the next episode of Arbitral Insights. My name is Nick Austin. I'm a partner in Reed Smith's transportation team based in London, specialising in shipping and commodities disputes. Today, I'm going to be taking a look at the new law and arbitration clause recently issued by the Baltic and International Maritime Council, or BIMCO. And I'm going to try and guide you through some of the key changes from its predecessor. For many years, BIMCO, as the industry's largest trade organisation, representing ship owners across the globe, has produced a law and dispute resolution clause for use in charter parties and other maritime contracts. The clause features in BIMCO's own range of standard contracts, but it's also very widely used by commercial shipping parties in their own charter parties and shipping contracts as a freestanding arbitration clause. Generally, their use is encouraged to avoid confusion caused by poorly drafted or inconsistent dispute resolution clauses, which abound in the shipping industry. So its terms are therefore important and always looked at carefully when they change. From time to time, the the clause is reviewed by BIMCO's documentary committee before being presented for adoption. The latest iteration of the clause has recently been released and it's now called the Law and Arbitration Clause 2020. It replaces its predecessor, the Dispute Resolution Clause, first released in 2017. The good news is that the revised clause is shorter and simpler than the old one. It extends to six short subclauses. And interestingly, it can also be tailored to the needs of users in different jurisdictions. Given its popularity and the widespread adoption of all BIMCO dispute resolution clauses, this clause is bound to end up in the majority of new shipping contracts over time. Let's run through the main changes. First, what BIMCO have technically done is release four new clauses, not one, because the standard wording can be adapted for four named arbitration venues, London, New York, Singapore and Hong Kong. As you may know, these are all places which are and have been for decades global centres of maritime arbitration. For each jurisdiction, the clause includes the relevant applicable law, so Singapore law for the Singapore version of the clause, the applicable arbitration legislation, so in London, uh, the Arbitration Act of 1996, the relevant procedural rules, and the seat or legal place of the arbitration. I think it remains to be seen what impact this choice will have on the majority of maritime arbitrations being heard in London, but the new clauses reflect the increasing availability of other jurisdictions for the resolution of shipping disputes in the industry. Second, the 2017 version of the clause included a mediation provision, which allowed the parties, if they wanted to, to to agree a process of mediation in an attempt to settle a dispute before arbitration was commenced. It was often, not always, but often struck out by the parties, whether they intended to mediate or not. The provision has now been completely removed, 
and converted into a freestanding separate clause, which the parties can incorporate into their agreement if they choose to. I think the result of that detachment will probably mean that the freestanding mediation clause won't find its way into charter parties nearly so often, but I think time will tell. Next, there is no longer a procedure for appointing arbitrators and therefore constituting the tribunal within the clause itself. And that's because the terms or the rules of the chosen arbitration association contain their own procedures for the appointment of arbitrators, which should be referred to instead. So, for example, in London, the London Maritime Arbitrators Association, or LMAA, is the body that most frequently hears maritime disputes in England. And they have detailed terms, current in 2017, which lay down the procedure for appointing arbitrators within those terms. Uh, Similarly, the SCMA in Singapore. So there's no need for separate procedures, which may and have done in the past uh, be inconsistent uh, to be laid out uh, in the BIMCO Law and Dispute Resolution Clause itself. That means that those uh, mismatches which we've seen in the past uh, should now be avoided. Another significant change is the new notices provision at subclause F of the clause, which is entirely new. Back in June last year, I blogged in anticipation of this new wording, which no one had yet seen at that time, that any provision that prescribed how notices should be given would be broadly welcome. But I also said it would presumably only work if the parties actually inserted the necessary information to make it effective. If left blank, the parties would be in no better position than under the old clause, leaving them to serve notices by any effective means allowed by the law. What this new subclause does is provide to the parties a mechanism by which formal notices and communications regarding the arbitration can be sent between the parties, and validly so. Importantly, parties are free to serve notices by whatever effective means they choose. But if they choose to, and if they provide email addresses, of those authorised to accept notices and put those email addresses in the charter party, then the clause says that a notice will be considered effective and served validly and legally if it is sent to that email address. The clause also requires a party to notify the other party of any change in email address during uh, the currency of the particular agreement, something that, let's be honest, may not always happen in practice. There may be real scope for problems here if, for example, the email address given at the start of a long-term contract becomes defunct without any notice of change being given. Unless an email from the other party bounces back from that defunct email address, the sender may well consider that an email sent to the old address constitutes proper notice, even if no one actually receives it. These wrinkles aside, this new provision concerning email notices in the modern world is obviously welcome. If the parties do provide emails, it removes the potential for disputes when notices are given, but it is later argued that they were sent to the wrong person or address. And this is something that comes up relatively regularly in the case law. So agreeing those email addresses in the contract offers real certainty of knowing on whom to serve 
notices by email. But if there are no email addresses in there, the parties are left to serve as they see fit. So those are the main changes to the new BIMCO Law and Arbitration Clause 2020. I think they mark a positive step in the evolution of the clause, and I expect it to eventually appear in most new charge parties and other shipping contracts. I would recommend adopting it uh, in whichever version and jurisdiction suits you, given the scope for problems and disputes where no clear law and jurisdiction clause is agreed in the contract. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Arbitral Insights today. Please do join us for the next one. And thank you for your time. Arbitral Insights is a Reed Smith production. Our producer is Ali McArdle. For more information about Reed Smith's global international arbitration practice, email Joseas de Garaga at jia at reedsmith.com. You can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google Play, Stitcher, reedsmith.com, and our social media accounts at Reedsmith LLP on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. This podcast is provided for educational purposes. It does not constitute legal advice and is not intended to establish an attorney-client relationship, nor is it intended to suggest or establish standards of care applicable to particular lawyers in any given situation. Prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome. All rights reserved.